0: Morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. We'll be wrapping up the book of Jude this morning, Lord willing. We've been in Jude for uh, a few weeks now, several weeks actually, yeah. and we'll be wrapping up, uh, hopefully the Lord's help, the last few verses. Uh, just a real quick recap from last week, uh, the beginning of the passage that we'll be finishing this morning and I hate to stop the passage halfway through but we do what we have to but uh, last week we started in verse 17 uh, and Jude begins it talking about about the beloved now you'll remember from uh, from pretty much the get-go of this letter uh, Jews referring to the, the certain men that have crept in unawares into the assembly and they're spreading false doctrines, spreading false teaching, and that's uh, the that seemed to be Jude's uh, main focus and his main point throughout this entire letter. And uh, then we got to verse 17 last week, and he says, "But beloved, he, and he exhorts the beloved, the brethren, those uh, those days writing this letter to the believers in Jesus Christ, the church." He's telling them, you remember the words that the apostles of Jesus Christ said. And he says, remember, they told you that these men would be here. They told you that people like this would come into the assemblies. And, uh, and that's how uh, last week kind of started out. And he gives a few other short descriptions of these people. And none of the descriptions that he's given of them have been very pretty through this whole study uh, through the book of Jude. But these last few verses that we get to uh, today, uh, this is this is the salvation part of the book of Jude. Y'all have heard me say before that it doesn't matter how dark and gloomy that a, that a, a book may seem in Scripture. Uh, uh, you know, even the book of Obadiah. Uh, you know, even that book. There's salvation to be found in that book. Uh, there's salvation found in every book, all, all of the 66 books, there's salvation somewhere, somehow, uh, for God's people. And this is, uh, this, this is our part of this book. This is the, the shiny part of this book, if you want to phrase it like that. Uh, so we'll pick up in verse 22 mm-hmm. of the book of Jude. And verse 22 says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And uh, Jude kind of, you know, picking up here where we left off last week. I remember that uh, last week he said, uh, uh, we talked for a while about about Jude saying to building up yourselves and to keep yourselves in the love of God. There's a lot of people don't like those two verses uh, because it lays something on us. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not teaching a works-based salvation uh, in the least. You know, you or I, neither one of us can merit ourselves to heaven. None of us are good enough to get there on our own. Uh, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3 and 23. And uh, and we're all well aware of that. And if you're not, you should be well aware that we're all sinners and we cannot inherit the kingdom of God on our own. It takes Jesus Christ to save us. It'll take Jesus Christ to keep us. And it'll take Jesus Christ to get us home. And uh, so this is coming out of those verses. And Jude says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Now, who is this some? I've looked at it in the grand picture, in the grand scheme of things, in the big picture. I think that Jude is talking uh, pretty much the world over, the known world at Jude's time, when he says of some, some people. Uh, and, and there's a lot of commentators on Scripture out there, and a lot of Bible teachers, and a lot of Bible preachers that will try and put that some that we just read about within the pages of Jude. Uh, you know, whether he's talking about some of the false teachers. Or some of the brethren. and I've not, But I look at it in the grand picture of things. Of some have compassion. Yeah, Jude has given us uh, really two different ways uh, to present the gospel here. If you'd like to phrase it like that. He says of some have compassion. He says making a, uh, 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 making a difference. Or making a distinction. In other words we've got to use our own discernment. That the good Lord has given us as Uh, You know, when we're presenting the gospel to someone, is this someone, uh, you know, who needs compassion? All of us need compassion, and the world over needs compassion. Y'all have heard me teach, and y'all have heard me preach that Jesus Christ was the most compassionate person that ever walked the face of the planet, although he was brutal sometimes with his compassion, and he was brutal sometimes when he would call people out in their sin the same way that Paul was, and the same way that Peter was. In the same way that, that so many of the other apostles was. They were they were brutal sometimes in doing it, yet they were showing compassion in doing so. A lot of people don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to hear about eternal torment. They don't want to hear about the judgment of God. They want to think that God is the king of lollipops and unicorns and all these other things. And they don't want to hear about the fury of Almighty God. But folks, the wrath of God is a real thing. and the fury of God is a real thing the judgment and the sentencing of God is a real thing and a lot of people don't want to hear about that but sometimes we have to use that approach in rescuing people out of the flames of hell not that we can rescue them ourselves but in that way in presenting the gospel of some we can have compassion but we have to make a distinction we have to make it we have to determine the difference we have to make a difference. And we have to determine uh, with our own discernment that the good Lord has given us of how exactly it is that we go about uh, presenting the gospel when we go out in the street uh, evangelize on the streets we don't know who we're preaching to we don't know who we're witnessing to and therefore you have to present both ways in doing so you have to present the compassionate way but you also have to warn people about hell you have to warn people as brother Vern read this morning you have to warn them what road their lasciviousness is going to take them down what road their drunkenness is going to take them down what road their emulations is going to take them down. All of these things that we found uh, find in the scriptures, we have to warn them of that. We have to warn them about hell because hell is a real place where people will spend a real eternity. I'm glad I don't have to go there. Amen. But he says, of some have compassion, making a difference in others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Others say with fear, this is kind of the second thing I've got off on a little tangent about there. Others say with fear, some people, that's the only approach that you can take with them. And uh, these are the people that say, well, you can't scare me into heaven, or you can't scare me into believing. And I've had people say it to me. You may have had people say that to you. And, uh, you know, I said that to people when I was lost, when, uh, when I was without Jesus Christ. Say, so you can't scare me into heaven and uh, but some people that's the only approach that you can take with them compassion doesn't work because they're hard their heart is so hard that the only thing <laughs> you've got left to work with is fear and uh, it's nothing in what we do it's nothing i mean we can witness we can tell them about the gospel we can tell them about the goodness of jesus christ we can we can expound the death of burial and the resurrection of jesus christ we can talk about uh, his eternal state of making mediation and and being our advocate uh, forever and ever at the right hand of glory. We can talk about all these things all we want to, uh, but some people, the only thing that's going to work with them is fear. The only thing that's going to work with them is you're going to hell. And I don't know how you felt when uh, when, when you got saved, but I know when I realized how wrong I had been, and for how long I had been wrong about the things I was wrong about. That was one of the first thoughts that popped in my mind was, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. And that was a fearful thing for me. I'd heard about hell all my life. I'd heard people talk about it. I'd heard it preached about. I'd heard it talked about. I'd heard my mama talk about it. I'd heard other people talk about it and never had any fear about it until the good Lord brought it to my uh, attention and, and convicted my heart of sin and showed me just who he was. That's when I realized I'm on my way to that place. And that was a fearful thing. It was a fearful thing for me. Other, of Some have compassion and others Save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. You and I cannot, uh, cannot spiritually pull anyone out of the fire. Only God can do that. But Jude here is saying uh, some save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. The words that we use and the descriptions that we use. The way that we uh, uh, witness the gospel to these people. The, the way that we explain the gospel to these people, this is what God will use to pull them out of the fire. We cannot save anyone. That's not what Jude is getting at here. He wasn't getting at it 2,000 years ago, and I ain't getting at it now, that I can save anyone. I've heard preachers say before, I saved this one 20 or 30 years ago. That preacher didn't save anybody. Right. God does the saving man. God is the only one uh, that is able to save God is salvation, and salvation is of God, period. But Jude here says, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, hating everything, everything about that person, not the person themselves. You keep that in mind. Now, listen. I understand. RC—I uh, don't remember if it was RC Sproul or John MacArthur. One of those two men have a pretty famous quote. If you follow either one of them, I'm almost positive it was RC Sproul. But he said he said that there's a famous saying amongst Christians and amongst the churches uh, that says God hates the sinner, the sin, but loves the sinner. And he says you be careful with that statement. Because it's not the sin that he sends to hell. It's the sinner. Yeah. We need to be careful with that thought. We need to be careful. And, when people, and people will say that. I've, heard, I've had lost people tell me that. Well, the Bible says that God loves me. And I praise God for John 3, 16. That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I thank God for that verse of scripture. And many other verses that we find within the pages of scripture. That God is Holy. And God is just and God is righteous. And because he is holy and just and righteous, he must punish sin. He has to punish sin because he is those things. And he punished sin on a cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that Jesus Christ became sin for us. It says that that he was cursed when he hung upon that tree because the Bible said, Cursed is any man or every man that hangeth upon a tree. He became sin for us that we can become the righteousness of God, that we can become holy, that we can become sanctified. The very people that Jude writes about in the very first verse of this book that we've been studying the last few weeks, the sanctified, the called, those that are preserved in Jesus Christ. That's me, and that's you if you're born again. And praise God for that. But when these people are rescued out of these flames, when they're rescued out of the fire, when they're using this other approach with the gospel, or when we've used this other approach with the gospel, uh, to, uh, 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 to do our part in their rescue. Once again, not that we can save them, not that we have salvation that we can impart to them. Only God can do that. We can tell them all about the salvation and the goodness of God, but only God can do the saving. But when we present that, we hate even the garment spotted by the flesh. We hate the sin. I hate, this. I hate the sin in my own life. If you don't hate the sin in your own life, you need to get right with God. Period. Every Christian, every born-again believer should hate the sin in their life. And we've all got it. We all sin. None of us perfect just yet. I'm promised a perfect body and a glorified body one of these days. But as of right now, I'm still walking around in this Adamic body that I've had since I was born. And we will have this until the day that we die. And as long as we are walking around in this flesh that we have, we will walk around in the sin that we have. God saved my soul. He didn't save my flesh. This flesh is still sinful. The muscles in your body, the bones in your body, the marrow in your body, the blood, everything about you is sinful according to what I read in the scriptures. Everything about you except for that inward man that God placed on the inside of you when he saved your unworthy soul from hell. Praise God for it. But we need to, but we need to despise, we need to hate, we need to uh, 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 abhor really the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. What's that tell me? Just that one little line. I'm unable to keep me from falling unto him that is able to keep you from following unto who? unto Jesus Christ he is the only one that is capable of keeping me from falling. As I've already said this morning, it took him to save me, it takes him to keep me, and it takes him to keep me home. I cannot do it. I can't stand when I hear a Christian say, I'm just working my way home. No, you're not, because that's impossible to do. We cannot work ourselves home. God will get us home. We sing about it all the time. We sing, Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. But do we really believe it? yes I believe it it's grace that will get me there it's God's grace that will get me there and that's all that will get me there is the grace of almighty God it took his grace to save me and it will take his grace to get me home after a while I ain't saying go out here and live however you want to it's not a license to sin the grace of God is not a license to sin and any born again believer that gets that thought in their head that's a direct abuse of the grace of God to have that thought uh, in your head. But to him that is able to keep you from falling. Now, I shouldn't neglect to say that some translations of the Bible, our KJV doesn't have this translation, but some translations say, now unto him that has keep them from falling, or to keep us. They pluralize that. But if you look at it in the Greek, it is singular. So I don't know where they get that misinterpretation of it. But regardless, uh, Jesus Christ is the one Uh, that is able to keep us from falling and he's the only one but unto him uh, to keep us from falling uh, that is able to keep us from falling or me from falling, you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy now get this we'll read the whole verse one more time unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, unto him That is able to keep you from falling. Unto him. He's he's keeping us from falling. And he's presenting us faultless. Before the presence of his own glory. He's doing that for us. Lowly sinners. People that don't deserve it. Once again, folks, we didn't merit it. I don't care how good you think you've been in your life. I don't care how few sins you think that you've committed. You don't deserve it, and I don't either. None of us do, but unto him that is able to, uh, uh, to keep us and to present us fault, uh, uh, present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. My goodness, it will be exceeding joy. It is exceeding joy right now. Can you imagine, though, in the future what exceeding joy we're going to be? We're not faultless yet. We're not follows yet. And we're still, as far as our bodies are concerned, we are still in a fallen state. But God has redeemed us. As far as our flesh is concerned, yes, we're still walking around in our fallen flesh. But I praise God that this flesh ain't what's going up yonder after a while. He saved my soul. He saved my spirit. And I'm promised a glorified body, likened and fashioned under the Son of Man, Uh, one day after a while, I don't know when. uh, And uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't know how, but I know that God can do it, and I know that he will do it, because that's what the scriptures say that he's going to do. Right now we're not faultless, though. But Jesus Christ is able to present us faultless. He's able to present us faultless, regardless of how dirty we've been. Praise the Lord. Regardless of how wicked we've been. Yes. Regardless of how rebellious we've been against God, against our families, against our fellow human beings. But mainly against God. Amen. Regardless of how wicked, evil, mean, nasty, black, dirty, filthy we have been. Jesus Christ and his blood is able to wash away our yeah, sins and present us faultless Thank in the Lord. presence of his glory. Amen. I can't comprehend that. But I believe it. I believe it. I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is that powerful. And he's going to present us, uh, follow us in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I believe that exceeding joy is going to be on both sides of the court. I believe it will be on Jesus' side, and I believe it will be on our side. Mm It'll be exceeding joy because I'm going to be faultless at that at that time. Yeah. I'll be presented before my Maker and before my Master, before the one yeah. that gave his life for me. I'll be presented before him faultless. And that will that will produce an exceeding joy that I don't think I could stand in this body that I have right now. But then I will be able to stand it. And I'll be able to stand it for all eternity. The exceeding joy that Jude is talking about here. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. To the only wise God, our Savior. To the only wise God, our Savior. Savior. God is our Savior. Jesus Christ is our Savior. Jesus Christ is God. He came here uh, robed in flesh. And we need to keep that in mind. We need to keep that in mind. And I'm not... Uh, I'm not teaching a, a Jesus-only doctrine here, and saying that God, God, uh, God is God. Jesus is God. Uh, you got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are taught in the Scriptures, and all three are present in the scriptures and three different persons not Amen. not three different things not three different it's they are three different persons Amen. in the scripture that all comprise what we refer to as the godhead and what paul referred to as the godhead and he said that while jesus christ ministered here on this earth in him dwelt the fullness of the godhead so I'm not teaching a Jesus-only doctrine there at all. Don't want you all to, to, to misunderstand that. But to the only wise God, our Savior. Folks, Jude is, uh, is uh, presenting God just as he is to the only wise God, our Savior. He's the only one that was wise enough. To develop this plan of salvation that we've been talking about. He was the only one wise enough to develop a gospel, the good news that we know about. And he's the only one wise enough that is able to keep us from falling. Back up another verse. To keep us from falling. He's the only one wise enough that is able to present us faultless, faultless in the presence of his own glory. You and I would mess up a plan like that. I know I would. And you would too all of us would but God he is the only wise God and he is our savior and I praise God that the only wise God is my Savior. Yes. I'm not dependent on a God that's made of wood or of metal or of anything no, else. Yeah. I'm not depending on a God that's dead. I'm not depending on a God that I've created in my own mind that lets me live my life however I want to. That's Amen. a false God. That's right. Folks, I'm depending on Jehovah God. I'm depending on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob yeah. and I'm depending on the, on the God of Peter, James, and John. It's all the same God. He is the only wise God. He's the only one that able to save us he's the only one able to present us faultless before his presence that's who i'm depending on to the only wise god our savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever folks the glory and the majesty is god's and the dominion and the power it is god's god owns it all that's the dominion the power uh, god has all the power Jesus Christ said uh, right before his ascension, "Ascension, all power is given unto me on heaven and in earth. All power was given unto him in heaven and in earth. Uh, But but to the only wise God be glory and majesty. Folks, it's his glory. I said the last time, I believe it was the last time that I preached here, uh, the glory is God's. Whether we want to give it to him or not, it's God's. And if we don't give it to him now, if we got any type of glory, if we got any backpacks from from our fellow man that we're not giving to God, one of these days he's going to get it because it's his. It is his. You can hang on to it all your life if you want to. But when you're dead and gone and everybody on planet Earth has forgotten your name, God will have his glory. God will have his glory. It all belongs to him. And all the majesty belongs to him. I don't care uh, how pretty a dwellings it uh, we might live in. I don't care what palaces that kings or queens may live in. Or castles or anything else. Amen. All the majesty belongs unto God. For he is majesty. He is majesty personified in himself. He is glory personified in himself. He is all of these things. And this is the God that condescended here to earth to become a low-life human being like us. Yet he was without sin. He could sink no further, no further than to become a human. And he condescended from upon high, from upon power, from upon majesty. I ain't saying that he lost any of his power when he came here. He was still God. He was every bit God laying there in that manger as he was sitting on the throne in the heavens above. But he condescended to our level. He came down to where we were. He came down, why? Because God wished to tabernacle with his people. He had wished that at least from the days of Exodus that we can find in the scripture. He wished to tabernacle. He wished to dwell among his people. That's why he did it. And he came here to offer himself up as a sacrifice to make a way that we, wretched sinners and wretched man, could be reconciled back to him. A lot of the lost world don't understand. They are cast off from God. They are cast cast out from God. Why? Because, Because they're not in communion with God. Therefore, they're cast out, and they have to be reconciled. There has to be a reconciliation there. When two people argue, and they turn their noses up at each other, or turn their backs on each other for a week or a month or a year at a time, then all of a sudden, at a family reunion or something along those lines, all of a sudden they're hugging, they're kissing, snotting all over (laughs) each other, things like that. What's happened? They've reconciled. That's what happens when a saved sinner or when a lost sinner comes to God and gets saved. There's a reconciliation that has taken place because that man or that woman or that child has rebelled against God their entire lives and God has cast them out. God has cast them off. They've been reconciled back to their maker. And that's what we've got to get into the minds of lost people. Hallelujah. Is that, that they're estranged from God. They're estranged from God. He doesn't recognize them as a child. He doesn't recognize them as as an adopted child. He He recognizes them as a stranger. As a stranger, someone that he doesn't know. He knows all about them, but they're not in communion with God I thank God that I'm in communion with him. The only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Jude isn't saying well God hasn't had these things but we need to give them to him now. This is, this is just a doxology that Jude is giving and closing his letter trying to exhort the brethren trying to exhort those that he, that he was addressing in verse 1 when he said Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called He's trying to exhort them. You worship God. You worship him because he, the one that has all majesty and all power, the one that has all the dominion, the one that is the creator of the universe and the creator of you and the creator of me and the creator and and the, the, the author and the finisher of our faith. This God is whom has preserved you in Jesus Christ. This is the God that saved you. This is the God that sanctified you. He set you apart for his service. You worship him. You worship the one with all power and dominion. You worship him. This is what Jude is exhorting the brethren to do. And he ends it. With a very appropriate amen, so be it, is what he's saying here in this. But that wraps up the book of Jude just a few minutes early. Anybody got any questions or comments?